everybody, and welcome back to episode six of the Fan Batch here with us at Fan Power. It's me. It's us. It's all of us. It's our tribe. It is our tribe. <laughs> Interesting week this week. Oh, uh, lean back again. Show that out. Show the people that. Um, I was going to save this to the end, but you're you're sporting goods that I think I should just uh, just uh, throw a plug out here for. Guys, we have a merch shop. Uh, you can find the link to the merch shop in the description of this live stream, as well as every other, uh, at least most of the recent videos. Um, we are sitting right now at, let me just have a look here. I wrote it down. We have over 40 uh, pop culture inspired uh, design. Proving that we're not just a Star Wars show. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> if there's any anywhere that indicates that we're not just a Star Wars show, it is our key public account. 40, uh, 40 designs there, uh, most of which, 30 plus, are inspired by some of your favorite fandoms. And like the Fan Batch shirt that Hank is wearing, all the logos for all of our review series are there as well. So if you want to get in on that, you can uh, visit the Fan Power podcast merch shop at tpublic.com. Link in the description. They look. Oh, there's a Fandor awesome. one. That They're looks real. Great. That looks great. All right. Um, okay. I guess it's that time again. I'm not going to waste time tonight. I think it's time we get right to it. And uh, let's hit it with a bad Star Wars jokes. Nice. That guy gets in here every week. Man. Always hiding in the studio. An Ewok walks into a bar and he says to the bartender, I'll have a whiskey and soda. The bartender says, sure, but why the little pause? The Ewok says, I don't know. I've had them my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. That might just be the worst oh, of the worst. <laughs> now, now was the Ewok's name Uncle Jack? <laughs> <laughs> my little pause. I think yeah, they, really. they would taste delicious marinated in whiskey. <laughs> you want pause and whiskey <laughs> oh. oh my god is it getting old yet no not it's no. not getting old yet we still no. like them i, I still like love them. them all right well this has been another installment of bad star wars jokes all right guys what did you think uh before we get to the the breakdown of the episode what did you guys think of this week we got a wookie with a lightsaber <laughs> how cool was that yeah enough said in the immortal words of stan lee enough said yeah yeah hecka cool um the first time i saw i think there's a legends wookie jedi from back in the back in the novels or back in the comics and i i may have glanced over it but the the, the first time i saw that in in clone wars i went of course yeah wookie jedi wow just makes like, sense. you know that that connection to nature that you you know you sort of pre presume and and stuff like that and then the episode where the the, the the kids are on the ship designing their sabers after the after they get right. back from That's right. That's my absolute favorite lightsaber design of all time is his the, the wood, wood hilt. Handle. Yeah, yeah. Love it so much. So organic and cool looking. Like I imagine like an ancient uh, weapon would be made out of if you could still have... Uh, we're gonna we're, we're gonna chew on that a little bit more. Not necessarily the lightsaber hilt itself, but we did. There was a thing that came up this week where I was really like, "What is that?" And I, I know Andy, you and I spent quite a bit of time going back and forth on it, and I, it out. just about Wookiee culture in general. That I don't think, and I don't know if we've really we've never really dove that far into Wookiee culture. And that's the thing. Se. That's one thing. Like we 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 all have probably known the name of the planet Kashyyyk. <laughs> 
or yeah. you know, I probably heard it first on this the holiday special. I bet we're gonna visit that too. Uh, could have been in the legacy uh, novels, Han Solo early legacy novels, possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But know nothing about the planet. No. Yeah. You know, like we were there for five seconds in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, exactly. Our mission of the week format continues this week, um, for better or for worse. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Um, it felt less. So I, I, I'm, I'm seeing a trend in the mission of the week. So this one felt less filler to me. Um, and I'm seeing a trend and that, that trend is that we're, um, this season more than last season is less about the guys and more about Omega. Like she's sort of front and yes. center. And these are all, yep. di- we're all, we're dipping into her different, like she's training with different individuals. Almost. She's taking like life lessons back with her from every single one of these episodes. And I'm starting to really understand that that's what we're, 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 Fast tracking, building her character, if you will. Mm-hmm. And not only that, she's building allies. Oh, well, yeah. She's amassing a group of allies. That may, in fact, be. Now, that's something that I don't know if anybody else has really talked about Talked about this. I haven't looked at a whole lot of other uh, folks who are reporting on this stuff. But I made an assertion this week that I'm going to share with you guys later on as it comes up organically. And it may, in fact, be my favorite thing of the season so far. Um, we get an allusion this week to possibly the, the droid Gatra, mm-hmm. which I find to be kind of weird because the droid Gatra canonically won't exist for another 14 years. I mean, it could be the roots of it or maybe the seeds planted, maybe, or they're just another, uh, another organization out there doing their own thing i don't know yeah always fun to go back and visit kashik we uh i haven't visited kashik since uh jedi fallen order <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, and before that maybe knights of the old republic i guess uh, uh speaking of knights of the old republic we are going to go back there uh this week we we get a pretty cool uh cut uh that's now officially canon which i think is really cool mm-hmm. uh what do we got going on here we got a really it's not exactly well spam comments you know at least God. it's not rude. Fortunately, this one's not rude. I just yeah, where's our um, <laughs> where's our fancy tool here for? Uh, sorry, guys. I don't mean to slow the show down for this, but I do want to deal with this sort of. I don't want to star that, and I don't want to show it. I do want to. Hmm. That's interesting. Oh, it's through Twitch. That's probably why. Okay. Well, that's fine. All right. Um. Hey, at least somebody out there is using bots on twitch yeah <laughs> <laughs> stars, stars twitch on 45 so this week it's uh uh the fan batch or rather the bad batch uh episode uh, six it um it's called a tribe it aired on uh, wednesday february 1st uh 2023 this one written by matt mcnovetz it is directed by Stuart lee as an advertised Pardon me, has an advertised runtime of uh, 28 minutes or an actual runtime of 24 minutes, 33 seconds without your uh, title, your title cards and uh, credits. The episode synopsis this week reads the bad batch helps bring a new friend home. All right. You ready for this, guys? I think so. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. The episode opens with the Havoc Marauder on approach to a large egg-shaped uh, space station orbiting an unknown planet. 
As the Marauder pulls up, we can see that the hangar is entirely populated uh, with droids. Hold on, let me just change our... There we go. Entirely populated with droids. As the clones uh, debark, Hunter reminds them that Sid told them the Vanguard Axis is notorious for illegal smuggling, and they should be ready for anything. More of those shady dealings. With well, you know, I'm going to have a little... I'm going to have a chew on Sid here in a, in a few minutes. Hunter orders Omega and uh, Echo to guard the ship while he, Tech, and Wrecker uh, go off. Good Lord, what's going on here? We're going to make the drop. My controls have not have moved. There they are. Um, they go off to make the delivery. Now, besides looking like a fried egg in space, um, mm. I have to say this the star uh, space station, I was about to say starship, the space station gives off mad, mad Star Trek vibes. Um, I don't know if I'm the only one who kind of got that with the saucer looking thing. Maybe. Excuse me. I mean, from one angle, I guess you could say it almost looks like the uh, the Falcon with all its bits. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Sure, sure. I just shades, saw the shades of Cloud City, too. You know, like, uh, yeah. there is that, too. There is that, too. Moving past uh, several droids that are working in the hangar, Hunter, Wrecker, and Tech pass through a corridor where they are stopped by yet another droid who scans them before letting them pass. The three then enter an office where yet another droid sits behind a desk. This one is flanked by two other droids, both of whom are armed with blasters. Now, standing up, the boss droid asks if they have the forgeries. Stepping forward, Wrecker opens a case containing what appear to be several chips. The droid boss tells them that they'll have to check the viability of the chips, and Tech tells them that won't be necessary. Then he blurts <laughs> out that he created these chain codes himself, and they will fool the Empire. But the droid boss doesn't share his confidence, and he tells them that his assurance is meaningless, and then orders another one of his droids to check each code individually. Um, Andy, remember when I said we were talking about Sid's going to get them into something that they may end up suffering for yeah um this might be the beginning of that maybe because <laughs> if they can trace it back to who made them right well we've been saying it uh, you know ever since the introduction of the character she was the the, the frenemy character and the betrayal waiting to happen time yeah i think that we are at a we're at a very tenuous point in the overall relationship between these characters that this may be the proverbial straw you've got echo who's been saying we need to do more then you've got tech who's like uh, remember back in season one when they met cut and cuts family yes and hunter was like do you think you can uh you whip one of these up and he's like well i just learned about them a few seconds ago but yes <laughs> it would be very easy with the sentiment that you know echo sentiment of we need to be uh, we need to be doing more to convince tech to manufacture a bunch of chain codes if they thought they were going to be used to help move innocent people around the galaxy yeah but as we are going to find out that is not the case here right and the ramifications of that i think are going to have quite a, a large ripple in terms of their relationship with sid I mean, you got to think logically in terms of story that something is going to make them pop up on Rampart's radar and therefore put them at odds with Crosshair again. Because that's, uh, yeah, you know, um, 
got to be in the if, back. If anything, the, the slow right? burn it lets you forget that there's these major dangling participles, you know, yeah. out, of, out yeah, of the yeah. galaxy. Um, so it's it's that's a logical conclusion as well as you know a a, a reason for the story beat uh, would be to expose them, you know, like, almost like a giant radar blip. Whoop! Oh, yeah, there they are. Yeah. Anybody else think the droid heads look like L three? Uh, I got a slide for that that actually concurs <laughs> with that. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Let's talk about Vanguard Axis for a second as an uh, as an organization. Now that is a new name that's showing up here for the first time. We've never heard Vanguard Axis before, um, and it appears at least here on this space station. And this is where I said this might be an allusion to the to the droid Dotra. Mm -hmm. mm. At the it same time, got like a Godfather vibe to it. Well, it does. I mean, at first I was like, well, maybe. Maybe this is just a droid controlled station and that there's somebody organic still pulling the strings somewhere else. And that may be true. Yeah. But it does it does add an interesting layer of, oh, there's potentially another droid organization out there, a droid criminal organization. Sure. Uh, doing weird stuff. And they got their fingers in a lot of pies. Yeah. So I am I'm very interested to see if these two organizations will intersect in future media, if this will become part of the droid Gatra. Keep in it, mind that that organized, sorry, go ahead, Hank. Well, it just felt like to me, uh, like sort of like, you know, how, how we have Imperial remnants circa uh, Mando. Yeah. It felt like techno union, like, you oh, know, right. remnants, right, like, right, right. like, there's all these factions that fell, uh, you know, because the separatists were made up of, it was much different than the Republic. Like the yeah. Republic was sort yeah. of like a unified front where uh, the, the separatists were built out of all these different. The banking clan, the techno union. Right. So trade federation. You figured those things are all still sort of around or, yeah. you know, like the infrastructure might be gone and the, the, the heads of that might be gone. And we've seen some of that with uh, them returning to Geonosis, right? Like, yeah, we do. So quite possible, something like that. It's It doesn't appear to be like, you know, uh, like they're in charge. They're not programmed by, or that we know anyway. It, it feels much like uh, these robots are sentient and, and an organized group in it for themselves and and interested in profit. Like For sure, there's a line from the boss droid that really makes me believe that they are independent. Mm -hmm. You know, when he says, uh, for the right price, I can do whatever I want. Not, you right. know, my boss can, it's me. I am. So, and that's a big deal to droids to be able yeah, to do what yeah. they want, you know, independent like, droid. Right. Yeah. That puts them in line with like, like, uh, um, IG 11 and, uh, IG 88, those independent, you know, mm -hmm. you did mention the LL, uh, the L three thing. And, uh, that's actually where we're going next. Nice. Um, Take a good look at these. I kind of got like the body of Ned B with L3 <laughs> I was gonna say heads, that too. like placed yeah. on top. Yeah. Um. So potentially these are all a load, uh, load lifting droid of some kind. Maybe. Well, if you're building like a, a security force out of droids, you would want the ones with the muscle. They definitely have that. Yeah, for sure. And there would be lots of them. As much yeah. as we love the franchise and and over nine movies, you do get a sense that there's like five models of droid <laughs> and so this this does a really good job of like let's flesh that out a bit let's let's push you know things in different directions i like that there's a familiarity here with them and really i mean if we go back to classic sci-fi sci there's a bit of robbie in there right 
a little bit. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Um, I do like the design. Again, I, I'm just curious to see where they go with this, if they're going to pop up later. I will say this. Um, having your, your space station populated by the same droid, that's a cheap way to populate your space station because it's one a, it's one asset. We don't have to spend money animating that. Yeah. And that's going to come back later on in this episode because I've got a real axe to grind with some things that they did that I believe were cost-cutting measures. But I'll save that for when it comes up. All right. Um, our actors uh, this week are Axis droids. So the majority of the Axis droids, that's Shelby Young. You'll remember her as Captain Bragg back from season one. She's already had uh, some other voice uh, roles uh, this season. And the droid boss himself, that's Noshir Dalal. That's Vice Admiral Rampart. Mm, nice. So, um, yeah. All right. Back in the hangar, Omega and Echo wait by the boarding ramp of the Havoc Marauder. A worker droid sets down a crate uh, nearby before walking away. Omega thinks that there's something off about this station. She says she doesn't like it, and uh, Echo agrees with her, adding that, well, they won't be staying for too long, so he'll get the ship uh, prepared. And uh, he walks off. Sitting alone on the boarding ramp, Omega hears a howling sound. Looking around at the empty hangar, she doesn't see anything and decides to investigate the source of the noise. Now, it's so true for an inquisitive an inquisitive kid yeah i'm gonna go see what that is i was told to stay here but I. that's to... right i can i can go off and do this on my own it's in the uh the subtitles spoiled it for me because i didn't quite hear oh right yeah yeah <laughs> but the subtitles clearly were like wookie, wookie howling yeah <laughs> dang, it. <laughs> dang it all right following the sound of the howl she finds herself in a room uh, filled with shipping crates at the other end of the room a pair of droids prod a young wookie with force pikes Omega blurts out, stop, you're hurting him, and dashes forward to intervene. One of the droids uh, turns to face her and orders her not to interfere in Vanguard Axis business, which at this point, I have to say, uh, looks like a slave trade. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so maybe that's uh, got the business involved here. This is the, the point where I want to just remind everybody, uh, this goes all the way back to Legends, and we saw it in Solo. The Empire had a significant wookie labor force mm -hmm. um is the vanguard axis connected to that somehow maybe but given that like we do see that they've disarmed him maybe they know what he is i have some thoughts on that as well um it's like remember, I'm, I'm assuming there would still be a warrant or like a reward quite possibly ones and possibly any, any sort of force user um in the words of qui-gon jinn perhaps i killed the jedi and took it from him mm. It's possible. I mean, he's already taken out one one droid there, right? That is true. Guys, that is true. Background there. Well, the young Wookiee manages to fight off uh, one of the droids, rending the force pike from its hands. He then turns and lunges at the second one, driving the force pike into its chest. The first droid has recovered quickly and moves in to attack the Wookiee from behind. Seeing the imminent attack, Omega cries out "No!" and unleashes a bolt from her energy bow, striking the droid in the head stopping it dead in its tracks weary from being tortured and now this fight the wookie leans on the force pike as he slumps his head uh, and shoulders but there's no time to rest as the commotion has alerted other droids who are now moving in on them all right uh our wookie of course it's gunji and i mean he was one of the the biggest uh i think probably really exciting things that came out of early trailer, marketing yeah. for the the season 
Um, so Gunji in this episode is actually voiced by Jonathan Lipow. That's our race announcer from the faster episode. Nice. Nice. Um, I feel like it's safe to say that he was a highly anticipated character. I think so. Um, we all yeah. kind of went, Ooh, he's back. What's he going to do now? Gunji first appeared in the sixth, uh, episode of season five of the clone wars. That one's called the gathering. As you said, Hank, that's the one where Ahsoka escorts a group of young Jedi, uh, younglings, including Gunji to Ilum, where they must quest for their Kyber crystals in order to build their lightsabers. All right. I've made a point here of, of uh, putting up the years uh, to go with these. Now, the animation model we see on the left, that is Gunji as he appeared in season five of the Clone Wars, which that season took place between 20 and 19 BBY. The animation having leapt forward uh, uh, light years, really, to the mm -hmm. Bad Batch, um, he looks so much better. But it's only 19 or 18 BBY. So we are talking one to two years maximum. And I really, you really need to keep that in mind mm -hmm. as we talk about this character and kind of where he is, what he's been doing, and how he fits in with the galaxy at large right now. Yeah. Now, when we left Gunji at the end of the Clone Wars, he was still a Jedi initiate. He had not been selected by a master to be a Padawan learner. Agreed. So that probably places him at the temple at the time of Great. order 66 ouch mm -hmm. all right more on that later as a pair of armed droids enters the room omega and gunji flee through the maze of crates but the two manage to stay ahead of the droids until they come to a corner while looking around the crate omega sees that two more droids have just burst into the room from another entrance Looking back at Gunji, she's shocked to find that the Wookiee is gone. Pulling back from the corner, Omega presses herself against a crate and closes her eyes as one of the droids looks down between the row of crates. Jurassic Park moment, anyone? Very much. <laughs> uh, fortunately for her, the droid's attention is drawn elsewhere and it runs off. While moving back down the row of crates, Omega runs smack dab yet into another droid. And uh, the droid orders her to halt. Omega raises her bow. But before she can get the shot off, the droid's head erupts in a shower of sparks as Gunji leaps down from a shipping crate, driving his force pike through its head. Gunji then runs over to an open shipping crate. Kneeling down, he begins to rifle through the contents of the crate as if he's searching for something. Omega tries to tell him that they need to go before more droids come and find them. And then Echo is there telling her that she needs to get back to the ship. Turning to see a clone in full battle dress, Gunji roars at Echo. Omega tries to calm him, telling Gunji that Echo is a friend, but instead Gunji flees. Omega tells uh, Echo the droids are after him and they have to help him, and then she runs off. Echo just shakes his head in exasperation as he reluctantly follows her. So it would make sense if he was at the temple because the site of a clone guard, right? Well, this even if he wasn't, let's say on a weird like maybe we'll get it in a flashback even if he was chosen as a as a uh, a padawan learner um the clones turned on all the jedi so he yeah. would have witnessed i mean seeing any clone i think at this point is probably traumatic off. for him yeah um but again oh we can talk about that now actually that that begs the question him him being at the temple at the time of order 66 mm. there's a line uh, from hunter coming up here where hunter says i'm surprised you survived this long on your own yeah yeah the the ramifications or what he had to go through to 
first survive the 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 501st legion and then get off course and then get yeah, and then get off course on um there's a story to be told there lucasfilm okay. yeah. well mm-hmm. based on the uh, mando trailer looks like we're so gonna get a bit more flashback maybe Logo, so. maybe 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 something there yeah 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 all right in the office of the droid boss a radio message comes through alerting him that uh, there's a situation hunter cocks his head as he asks problem and uh, without a word the droid and his armed guards depart tech asserts that the cause of the blaster fire is either echo or omega but most likely omega (laughs) (laughs) just then hunter's comm link chimes and it's echo he sounds agitated as he says we need backup now (laughs) joining the other droids uh squared off against omega uh gunji and echo the boss droid levels a finger at the clones as he says, what sort of treachery is this? Omega shouts for them to stay back as she draws her bow, but the boss droid just waves and his goons march forward. Suddenly, a blaster bolt streaks out from behind the droids, knocking a rifle from one of the goons' hands. It's Hunter, and he casually but firmly tells the droids, they're with us. The boss droid levels a finger at Hunter and advises him to take his soldiers and extricate themselves from the situation on the other side of the room a defiant omega angrily shouts no they're gonna hurt him as she draws her bow but the droid boss counters that gunji is worth more to their buyer alive with tensions high hunter tells the droid boss you can't smuggle living beings the droid counters for the right price i can do whatever i want at the same time gunji spots his lightsaber on the droid boss's belt and reaching out with the force, he calls it to his hands. Gunji ignites his green blade and lets out a roar. Both Omega and Hunter are taken back by this turn of events. Then the droids open fire on Echo and the kids. Gunji rushes forward to deflect the blasts while Echo and Omega return fire. Then Hunter, Tech, and Wrecker join the fight, creating a kill box that most of the droids just happen to be standing in. Needing a way to link up with each other, Wrecker creatively grabs a hover sled and rushes forward, using it like a battering ram uh, to level any droids in his way. With the Bad Batch now consolidated, Hunter uh, orders them to get to the ship. Omega urges Gunji, come on this way. The crew charge into the hangar, blasters uh, flashing. They overwhelm the few droids defending it, but as they board the Havoc Marauder, more droids file in. Gunji and Hunter are last to arrive at the ramp. Hunter pivots on his heels to lay down covering fire until everyone else is on board, but Gunji pauses at the choice in front of him. In the wake of Order 66, there's no doubt he's conflicted. But Omega holds out her hand as she calls to him, Hurry! After letting out a sigh, Gunji leaps aboard with Hunter right on his heels. More and more droids flood the hangar, but their blasters are no match for the ship's plating. Swinging around to depart, Tech brings the Havoc Marauder's cannons to bear on a few hapless droids, and they rocket away from the station as the remaining droids fire pointlessly into the void of space. Did um, you pin down any of the droid blasters? I did not. I, a lot of them were carrying uh, were carrying clone rifles. Right. That's yeah. That's what I was. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly in the shipping crate, when Gunji's going through it, he pulls out a DC-15 and kind of tosses it aside. Right. Maybe that's a clue to the buyer. Possibly. Well, if it, we know he's force sensitive, we know the emperor is looking for these guys. 
maybe he said, here, take a crate of this, bring me a Wookiee. Oh, that's entirely possible too. I, I kind of figured that there's a connection here. Poss- I mean, to the overall scope of the episode that the buyer is probably the empire, whether it's through a, a third party or not, or directly to the empire, e- maybe even to the Trandoshans who are working with the empire in yeah. this episode. Mm. But till we actually see it, we don't really, we don't know for a hundred percent, but those are sort of my leading guesses. Yeah. That's my, that is a good question though. Who is this buyer? All right. Where are we at here? Oh yeah. So, um, the latter part of the sequence kind of reminded me Phantom Menace when Anakin's swinging the, the fight around. <laughs> Gunji's had a bit of training because he can deflect blaster bolts back with fair amount. He has. He has. Now, the last time we saw him was in the season finale of season five. Right. Um, and that's the, we see him actually when, uh, when Anakin is chasing Barris Offy and she, training she, Barris Danube. She bails out a window and they land just above the courtyard where Gunji and his entire class, all the kids that went to Ilum, they're yeah. all, yeah, lightsaber practice with uh, Teresa Nube. Right. Uh, Facebook user, he's bigger. He does look bigger. A little bit. Um, hey, I don't bigger. know. You know, I mean, Wookiees, we, we know that rate? they live for hundreds of years. So yeah. do mm-hmm. they have this 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 period where they, they undergo like a fast growth into adulthood maybe kids have growth spurts all the time sure i think canonically they say that a wookie's considered an adult at the age of 18 hmm. and what the line from uh chewy to han you look pretty good for 600 or however old he's uh, i think he said it was yeah. like 600 years yeah maybe he is bigger. Well, chewy's chewy's 200 in empire according to is the that uh, oh yeah. right 100 150 years old or something when they meet 150 or something like that yeah so, yeah yeah, yeah. They live a long time though. Han Solo is like his sixth pet. <laughs> That's funny that you put it that way. All right. So our mission to deliver forged chain codes has failed. Well, the um, droids have the chain codes. Did they get the, the money? The clones didn't get the money. No, so that'll be, I don't yeah. think they well, did. Sid side. Well, this they sort is... of walked away from the deal, but then were called away from the deal by Omega. Like, Right. So it's because they didn't get through they, all like they keep, wanted to test everyone, right? They keep being really That's bad true. at these courier jobs. Like they, <laughs> Something that know, should be really, really simple. Right. They, you know, and they, they keep knocking the combat jobs out of the, out of the pocket. So perhaps um, <laughs> they should stick with what they know. Well, yeah. Cause their moral compass is uh, diverting from SIDS. Right. So this is my question. Does anybody think that Sid didn't know what the chain codes were going to be used for? Don't ask, don't tell. Right. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I, I mean, believe that go, Sid knew exactly what she was doing, what she was getting do, into. Do you go back to do you go back to Sid at the end of this episode and say, "Hey, what gives with all the Trandoshans?" Like, well, so that do you have that, questions? Uh, do, you, do you do you like um, you know? So let's let's explore that a little bit because the first oh, thing is how do how do you explain? Oh, by the way, we 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 rescued one of your ancestral enemies. We rescued a Wookiee. Yeah, right. One is she now? I know she's got a friend, semi friendly relationship with the clones. Is she even going to care? Or is it just like you what like whatever? But when you I mean when you couple that with oh, and by the way, we slaughtered a, like a dozen of your people. I guess it begs the question of like in, in the galaxy, how much, uh, 
personal culture like do you how how important is that to individuals like um that certainly is a question yeah right like you know so the episode's called tribe so and later on we'll get into it but the personal culture of the wookies is very important that's right and and we know from comic books and legends and other sources that the the ancestral battle between trandoshans and wookies is is very important and 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 indicative of the culture um and how separated is you know uh got to be some wookie pelts in that office man is what i'm getting at <laughs> i don't disagree with that i i at the end of the day i can't believe that sid did the old don't ask don't tell thing i firmly believe that she knew exactly how the chain codes were going to be used right and she took advantage of specifically of tech's ability to be able to forge them you know thinking that she would get away with it and i think that the Absolutely. ideological difference is going to come back to bite them it might be the maybe there won't be a betrayal maybe there will just be we're done with you and quite honestly if they're honest about it she would be super pissed that 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 saving a wookie is what yep. cost her the deal yep yep well anyway that's kind of where i feel that's what i feel about that yeah. right now okay so um oh my gosh here we go Having made the jump to hyperspace, the crew settles in for uh, the ride home. The clones are all in the forward compartment of the Havoc Marauder, while Gunji sits alone and on the floor of the rear compartment with his head and arms folded on his knees. Confused as to why Gunji is sitting alone, uh, Omega asks Hunter why, and uh, he tells her it's because he's scared that he's been through a lot. Undeterred, Omega asserts that he still has to eat, and she takes a box of rations and uh, she offers it to him. As Hunter and the other clones approach, uh, approach Gunji roars fiercely at them and they all take a step back and they hold up their hands, kind of like, whoa. Omega asks, what's, what's wrong? And Hunter tells her that Gunji doesn't trust them. And then uh, Tech, in a classic blunt techism, reminds everyone that considering all the clones were given an order to execute the Jedi, Gunji has good reason to be cautious. Now, <laughs> I don't know if it was if it's just me. I really dialed in on Tech's choice of the word execute. All things being intentional, I think it's noteworthy that he used the word execute and not something more militant like neutralize. Right. You know, there it was a take no prisoners order. Right. I mean, literally execute order 66. Yeah, execute order 66. <laughs> but as opposed, well, execute in the sense of execute is in carry right. out. But well, tech but uses sure, it in, in the, in, in the, the, in the form, murder. like the murder site, the murder type. Yeah. <laughs> the verb. <laughs> he verbed it. Uh, oh, we got a few comments coming in here. We got another one. Uh, Facebook one. user. Sid is your friend until she isn't. If you aren't profitable enough, you are expendable. Uh, true. Yeah. I buy it's that. True. I mean, even the other bad guys in the in in the uh, in the racing episode Warner That's warned right. them. That's true. Her. That's yeah. right. That's right. Malegi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Follow up comments. Sid will not like losing money over a Wookiee. Guarantee uh, no, it. Guarantee no, no, no. Guarantee it. <laughs> um, going back to the execute thing, though. I mean, the clones were under order to do it, uh, and they it, let's remember. The galaxy at large, which we are not, uh, as viewers of Star Wars, we are not the galaxy at large. The galaxy at large believe the Jedi were traitors to the Republic. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. The so, public narrative that they spun 
for tech to use the word execute implies that they are way more in the know. So you'd think if you were like a, a surviving Jedi like Kestis yep. or or somebody yep. even Gunji, if you knew a little yep. bit more about galactic politics, wouldn't you feel like you'd be a little safer on separatist worlds then? You you might. You know what I mean? Like like any enemy mind, right? Like yeah, my enemy is the enemy. Of my enemy is my friend. It's my friend. That's right. So that's right. I just maybe future stories. You know, good touch maybe. on that. It's sort of where my head would go if I were a Jedi and I knew the mm -hmm. politics of the show. Yeah. Now they kind of touched on that in Tale of the Jedi, right? Like where Ahsoka goes and works on that farm planet. Yeah. And the majority of them are like, no, to hell with the Empire. But there's the one kid who's like, no, I'm going to get in with the Empire. Oh, right. Give right, me that reward. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, Hunter extends his hand and he offers an apology for what happened during Order 66. He also says that they're not like the other clones and they didn't carry out that order. He also adds that they don't work for the Empire either. Omega brightly adds, Hunter's telling the truth. You don't have to be afraid of us. And she slides the ration box towards uh, Gunji, encouraging him to eat. Gunji picks up the ration box and dives in while Omega hops up onto one of the bunks. Looking down at him, she introduces herself and she asks what his name is. With his mouth full of food, Gunji mumbles something in Shriwook. Hunter turns to Wrecker, noting that his Wookiee is a little rusty, but he thinks he said that his name is Gunji. Pulling the now empty ration box away from his face, Gunji tells him that he's been on the run since Order 66 and that he's been trying to get to his homeworld of Kashyyyk, but was captured by the Vanguard Axis droids. So... Did he just get captured just now? Has he been with them for a year, possibly two? I don't think he's been with them that long. Not really. I don't no. think so. He, I got the impression from the scene that he was probably in one of the boxes and got out, and they were just trying Quite to wrangle possibly, him. Yeah, trying to, yeah, yeah. Wrangle him yeah. back, yeah. So again, um, do you think that they knew he was a Jedi, or was it the, perhaps I killed a Jedi and took it from him? No, I, I'm thinking this is a specific, get me yeah. this one, because it's got force sensitivity i mean even if they stumbled upon him and he's wielded a saber chances are he i think uh, the first reaction from young enough to not yeah. you know if he's he's reaching out with the force openly pulling lightsabers and deflecting bolts he's not trying to hide anything really well but that's in that moment we don't know what he's yeah. done up until then mm -hmm. I, but it does feel like rash and impulsive like a wookie the things we know about yeah Wookiees, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 low yeah sort of self-control chewy steals sure, the food sure. he gets mad at at uh the jarrick and and stuff right right so it little kind of animal that, impulse control if you will and couple that with him being still young yeah right impulse. oh yeah right. yeah yeah right that's a crazy mix well uh, hunter leans in and he tells gunji that he's not sure how he survived this long on his own but it's impressive that he has he makes a point to tell him that's impressive hopping off the bunk omega suggests they can take him home Wrecker boisterously says, it's been a while since we've been to Kashyyyk. Hunter gets up and uh, walks over to Echo, who tells, uh, who tells him the Empire could have outposts there by now. And uh, they don't know if it's safe for Gunji to go there. We got another comment here. They knew the head robot was keeping his sword. I don't dispute that. We all saw that. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that Gunji was, was wielding force powers the whole time he was in their custody. Yeah, no. Custody capture. 
I'm just, I find that stuff fascinating. It's the whole, it is the Cal Kestis thing and the Kanan Jarrus thing. Is Gunji smart enough to know, like, I need to keep this under wraps and not be, you know, not be well, displaying using it? But Hank, you make a, a, a very valid point. Wookiees are, are, and kids are impulsive. And Wookiees definitely have a, a, a penchant for, not necessarily and even gunji himself the his whole trial at, at ilum was uh, about learning patience right? right waiting for the water to freeze before he could cross right so interesting no he was quick to draw uh well, that's what yeah that's yeah what we he was doing. quick to draw his saber in front of all those droids Absolutely. that is true that is and true. the thing that tells me that he wasn't there a long time they still would have presented him to the empire as a jedi oh, yeah i sure. i believe that as well yeah, I believe, I believe that. that as well. But like he was still putting up a fight, right? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. You figure if he had been in custody for a year, oh sure, he would be a whole lot more broken. Yeah. Yeah. But he's still. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. That's true. Give me my freedom. That's true. That is true. All right. Well, um, clasping his brother's shoulder, Hunter sighs as he says, "He's a Jedi. He's not safe anywhere." All right. Uh, the ration box. Uh, I thought this was a lovely little callback to uh, the Empire Strikes Back, mm -hmm. uh, particularly the the ration box that uh, Luke kind of. Hey, get out of there! I need yeah, it's my dinner. <laughs> All right. As Tech cuts the hyperdrive, uh, the verdant green world of Kashyyyk irises into view. On board the ship, Hunter tells Gunji that they're headed to a village that they know of, where the Wookies that live there should be able to help him. Echo tells him that uh, he's locked in the coordinates for the village, but he's also detecting heavy smoke and deforestation. So Hunter tells him to keep an eye out for Imperial outposts. You're going to say something, Andy? Uh, this part almost, I don't know. It, it strikes me as a little weird because yes, they're on a mission, but fuel is not infinite. And how close in relation to where they were is Kashyyyk. Oh, plot armor close. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Say, oh, yeah. Let's just take a side tour. We'll go drop them off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's, I mean, you know, again, space opera, uh, uh, space fantasy, um, you know, we're writing for the story. We're not writing for the for the the logistics, I suppose. But at the same time, it's oh, like I agree. they are taking the moral right. I yes, agree. Let's get them home. And that's so there you go. There's a let's let's talk about that for a second, because Sid probably has expectations that it should take you x this amount of time bring me back my money right and when they don't show up when they're supposed to yeah where did you go and omega's calling the shots again too uh she is she very much is didn't uh sid in the first or second episode say what took you so long she did yes so she's maybe the detour in a little bit uh, yeah 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 echo tells them that uh, oh yes he's locked in and there could be imperial outpost he then offers uh, some advice to gunji by telling him to keep his lightsaber hidden because it would attract the kind of attention that they don't want. Right. Then we cut to the Havoc Marauder flying over the jungles of Kashyyyk and finally coming uh, to a landing in a small clearing. Disembarking from the ship, Omega and Gunji pause to look up at the dense forest canopy above. Omega looks at Gunji and she smiles. They've made it. Later, as they make their way through the forest, Omega asks Gunji if he remembers anything about his homeworld. He shakes his head as he says the only memories he has are from his dreams. As they continue forward, a loud chittering noise fills the air. And looking up at the trees, we can see that they're filled with a thick webbing of some kind. Eventually, the way becomes so full of the webs that the clones can't go any further. 
But Wrecker is undeterred, and he punches his fist into his other hand and says, I'll take care of it. Drawing the enormous vibroblade from his boot, he wades into the webbing and slashes at it, clearing a path. But suddenly the group is swarmed by several giant arachnids. Wrecker draws his blaster, but Gunji lays his hand on Wrecker's forearm as he tells him not to shoot. It's the opposite of Merkwood. Gunji uh, tells them that the arachnids won't attack them unless they pose a threat. Then, raising his hand towards the creatures and closing his eyes, Gunji reaches out with the force, and miraculously, the arachnids all retreat back up the trees. Taking the lead, Gunji waves the clones forward, Ducking under the webs, Omega stops to look as one of the arachnids drops to the forest floor behind her and walks away. I've talked about this before, about how everybody kind of has a little specialty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like everybody's got the animal specialty now. This is like <laughs> the, third, the third character now. We've had Ray do it with the, the snake. We've got Ezra, who's done it with everything. <laughs> and now yeah. Genji. But it, it, if anybody fits with him right with that whole home world spirituality exactly exactly yeah that makes sense i mean uh, it's it's one thing lauren and i talk about all the time and 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 that's you know based on the role-playing games there's set things that jedi can do that's right yeah and and lauren says it all the time it's almost as if they lack imagination because Mm, there should be no limit on what you can do why can't jedi fly yeah yeah. Right. So I, I think it's one of those things where uh, we've seen them open up the power in, in, in canon. And now so you're, it's it's open in canon. We have to permeate that around. Right. And so you're going to see more force healing. You're going to see more, you know, uh, Cal Kestis's ability to grab an object and, you know, yeah, very similar to uh, object reading. You, you had that to um, Quinlan Voss. That's right. Yeah. All right, so our arachnids, these are uh, Kinrath. Now, the Kinrath are giant venomous arachnids that are native to both Kashyyyk and Dantooine. Hmm. And some Kinrath, at least the ones from Dantooine, have been known to produce Dantari Kyber, which is found in some Kinrath eggs. That's an interesting one. I I didn't go any deeper on that, but... Mm -hmm. However, their appearance in this episode comes from, uh, you guys might remember back uh, 2015 when the company was uh, sold, or the company was sold prior to 2015. The Clone Wars was uh, ended in 2015 after season five. Uh, Then they had what was called the Clone Wars Legacy Project. Now, that was the, the multimedia event that set out to use all of the, or some of the unfinished story arcs from the Clone Wars to tell new stories. It gave us the canon comic uh, Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir, as well as the canon novel Dark Disciple. Now, there were 13 unfinished story arcs now uh, in the Legacy Project, and these were the last, last things that George Lucas worked directly on before selling uh, selling the farm. Now, at Celebration Anaheim back in 2015, there was a panel, the untold uh, Clone Wars, the unfinished, or the, what is it called? It was called the, um, oh my gosh, the untold Clone Wars panel from Celebration Anaheim. And uh, attendees were shown a bunch of reels um, of the animation that had been completed, or sorry, not completed. 
or at yeah. least roughed in. They look more like animatics, really. Yeah, that's animatics. Where that, yeah. Uh, that's where we get the Cad Bane versus Boba Fett. Boba right? Fett. That's yeah. where we get the Bad yeah. Batch from. Um, so, incidentally, this episode, um, Tribe, recycles a bunch of ideas and concepts from um, uh, from the, uh, the the Legacy Project, from the Kashyyyk uh, arc. Just going to pause here for a second. We got to uh, let me see if I can get this right here. Dr. Mad Studio. Hello, folks. Greetings from Britain. Greetings. Amazing. Hello. Thanks for picking us up. Thank you for uh, tuning into the show. I hope you're enjoying. Um, Very I have no cool. Idea. What time is it where you are now? It must be well after midnight where you are. A few hours ahead, at least. Excellent. Well, welcome, welcome, thank welcome. you for tuning in. Thanks for joining us. Go check out our back catalog. We've got <laughs> all of season one's back there. And uh, stay with us because there's lots more to come. We've got two episodes coming up next week. That's right. All right. So. The, uh, the Legacy Project, uh, 13 story arcs, uh, Celebration Anaheim, they did show off a bunch of them, including uh, what this original Kashyyyk, part of this Kashyyyk arc was supposed to be. Now, if you have not already seen that panel, I have left a link in the description of this live stream so you can go and watch the entire panel. You can see uh, all of the, the animatics, as it were, uh, including this one. All right, and uh, there are more. Like I said, the Kinrath—they're just one one element the, from that oh, uh, that other arc that are going to pop up. But we'll talk more about that as they come up later on. Mm -hmm. I killed a lot of Kinrath when I played Knights of the Republic, by the way. Oh heck, <laughs> a <yeah>. lot, <laughs> a lot of them. You didn't have the force to say, "Don't attack me." Uh, this I found to be interesting. Uh, this actually, um, this is uh, early animation for Echo when the look of Echo was considerably different. Um, the proto, uh, um, arc trooper armor, as it were, uh, mm -hmm. as well as look at that. They uh, gave him a full cybernetic arm. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I thought that was worth, uh, well, that leans into that sideshow collectibles. One it kind of does. Like, multiple attack it kind of does. I just thought that was worth pointing out mm -hmm. as a little, where is note. this? Yeah. Yeah. Where <laughs> is this? Where is that part? Where is it? <laughs> it's in the backpack. He hasn't needed it. Go, yet. go gadget echo. Oh, so true. <laughs> All right, well, coming to the edge of the forest, the crew find themselves on the edge of a valley. Looking down at it, there is a thick layer of smoke rising from the treetops below. Tech checks his data pad and informs the rest of them that his telemetry places the Wookiee village straight ahead. Well, down in the valley, the crew find the remains of a burned-out Wookiee village. Now, one of the buildings is still burning. As the crew move to inspect uh, the wreckage, Hunter takes a knee to examine the ground. He quickly uh, ascertains that tanks have been through here and presumes that the Empire has incinerated the village. At the sight of the burned-out building, Gunji drops to his knees, whimpering. Omega tries to console him. She tells him that the Empire destroyed their home too, but not to worry because they'll find his people. But suddenly the hum of an engine catches their attention and everyone rushes into what's left of the village to see what's making that sound. Seeing some movement up ahead at the batch take cover. Tech, who is misidentified as Echo by our descriptive audio guy, go. takes out his mm -hmm. macro binoculars. Staring at the burning village, Hunter asks him what he can see. And Tech says it's Trandoshans and they have a Wookiee hostage. Hunter wonders aloud uh, how they got their hands on Imperial tanks. Oh, we got a follow-up comment there. We do, before we dive into that piece. 
Oh yeah. I totally appreciate that. Dr. Mad Studio on YouTube says, I can't believe we were this close to having the Yuzhan Vong in canon. They were meant to appear in an episode of the Clone Wars until it was canceled when Disney bought Star Wars. Yeah. That's, you know, <laughs> when I talk about the Star Wars novels all the time with uh, uh, friends that, that read them, I, I always actually say, uh, I kind before of the dark that. times, yeah, before, before the Yuzhan Vong. <laughs> I, not a, not the biggest fan of of the the novels I, with the Yuzhan Vong. I have to be honest, I wasn't either. And I think at the time that those novels were coming out, I always referred to them as uh, as uh, Star Wars answer to the Borg. Yes, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, biological, yeah. right? Cool that stuff. Whole... I mean, you really gotta. I mean, if you're going to contend with a new order of of, of Jedi, you really got to amp it up. And that's true. Um, that is and true. if you don't want to be stale, and it's oh, it's another version of the Sith, and it's another version of the Sith, and it's another version of the Sith. You do have to kind of amp it up, and in a weird way, in the High Republic, there's there's a kind of a version of the Yuuzhan Vong. There's a, there's a there's a, a sentient plant type creature that are like allied against Force users. So interesting. Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, um, says that uh, there's Trandoshans and they have a Wookiee hostage. Hunter wonders aloud how they got their hands on Imperial tanks. Okay. Are we there yet? I think we're there. Yes, we are. There. Oh. All right. The Imperial tanks are actually Confederate uh, AAT tanks first deployed by the Trade Federation during the trade dispute on Naboo in the year 32 BBY. And there they are, boldly branded as Imperial. And that really bothers me, but I'll get to that later. Because this now sets a precedence that in the first few months after the droid army was shut down, the Empire not only seized Confederate military assets, but then also redeployed them. Which Sure, that looks hand-painted to me. It That's is simple. a total, total contrivance when things like other Star Wars media like Jedi Fallen Order and Andor go out of their way to show us just how zealous the Empire was when it came to breaking down all the old tech. Because we've seen in season one, like the droid factories where they're just destroying that's them right. left and right. That's right. Yeah. But so they're for not me, really for me this feels like, stuff. you know, having played Battlefront and Battlefront 2 pretty heavily. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially the, the Kashyyyk maps. At the end of the war, the Empire takes over. You've got the, possibly the freshest battle yeah. happening right there. So you've got a huge contingent of droid you know, armaments Munitions. and weaponry and droids themselves. And they throw the kill switch. They all just, you know, so yeah. you've got all this tech on the planet coupled with the fact that that symbol looks hand painted. And we saw that before we saw that in Obi-Wan Kenobi with the hand painted yeah, yeah, yeah. signs on the yeah. flag. Um, maybe this is just the trans oceans, you know, marking this. To say, hey, we're working with them. You know, you said the same thing, Andy. Yeah. I, I have a hard time with that. I, I have a hard time believing that a civilian paramilitary organization just starts plastering government logos on stuff. Like that's and maybe that's I mean, me. If, maybe that's my problem. You might want to do that if you if you want that. that level of backup, because otherwise you're just maybe. mercenaries. You know, or the same way contract, even in Book right? of Boba Fett, where they they the opposite happens. You have a big organization painting little gang symbols to trick people. Oh, it's, sure. It's sure. almost the inverse, right? Dr. Mad Studio says, I've been watching the Bad Batch. So you don't have to worry about spoilers with me. Excellent. Oh, good. Everybody dies. Well, let me just... <laughs> <laughs> 
you have come to the right place because when we do these live streams, they we are 100%. They are deep dive. They are full spoiler cast. We don't hold back on anything. So um, you are definitely the target audience, sir. <laughs> Hunter has a 32 waist. That's right. <laughs> I, I call this a contrivance. And this is where I say that this might be just a simple case of uh, animation asset reuse because throughout the entirety of the Clone War, the Republic already had their own tank. It's true. Um, it's now, true. and I, I was trying to figure out, had we ever seen it animated before? And the best I could come up with was it made an appearance in the Clone Wars uh, uh, video game. So back on what? The uh, Xbox, the original Xbox. Mm -hmm. And then again, it came out for Battlefront 2 as a, as a piece of DLC. Yeah. Absolutely. Man, could they not have just used? I'd have been fine if it had been this. Uh, um, what do they call this thing? This is the. Uh, oh my god, I didn't put the name of it in there. Um, the turbo turbo tank. I think it's called turbo, turbo tank. tank. You know, if, there's a strong possibility that in you in reusing the story, yeah, they reused the animatics, and so therefore they would have a huge well, amount of the work already done for them. Exactly, so, and I think that's where I kind of go. Probably like. In reality, what's happening? That's here what's that happened. They're just they're just churching up the animation from the animatics that they have for certain scenes. I believe that. Uh, and then the writers going, uh, "Hunter identifies it as a, an Imperial tank, and we'll slap an Imperial we'll logo, put an on, Imperial it logo on it." And now, Wes, Hank, and Andy don't notice. And Nobody does. <laughs> well, this is it, right? And well, I mean, I, I can write you a reason. So the Trandoshans were not with the Republic, right? They were not. So they get no. their stuff. They want backing. They got maybe say a contract to go, you know, harvest right. the, the resources from Kashyyyk. Yep. Take prisoners for the labor force. They're like planet adjacent to Kashyyyk also, aren't they? They're, they're neighboring they're, systems. They're close. Close yeah. enough. Sense, yeah, you know, they you have like ancestral enemies. That's right. Yeah. So you just send these guys over there who you already know are going to do a job of it. There is a, a legends piece of lore that kind of works here. And it's the Freemaker adventures, the oh, Lego yeah. stuff. Yeah. Because in the Freemakers, the Trandoshans, <laughs> the Trandoshans in that lore are actually stewards of Kashyyyk on behalf of the Empire. Right. Yes. Work in yeah. there. But I agree that this is a case of the original story did have the Trandoshans allied with the Confederacy. So sure, they would have Confederate tech. It just... Again, total contrivance now because we've never, and again, why now? Why are we only seeing this now? We had a whole first season where you could have, it would have been an easier pill to swallow yeah, if you'd shown first me. season. They were like on the run, avoiding no, I Imperials get it. at all costs. I get, I do, I get it. I totally get it. Sorry, it's the TX 130 Saber class fighter tank. That's what it's called. And right. it did stay in service well into the Imperial era. All right. I'm not going to harp on this anymore. You know how I feel about it. <laughs> they were cutting costs in the beginning. Yeah, they were. <laughs> now, aboard one of the tanks, a Trandoshan activates a hollow display and an image of yet another Trandoshan. This one wearing a Wookiee pelt over one shoulder coalesces into view. Addressing the hollow as Commander Venomore, the tank commander informs him that they've found more of what he calls those carved stones. Venomore tells him to stay on schedule and blast them to dust, bringing the turret to bear. 
the tank commander activates a flame cannon and blasts at the ornately carved stones, and they begin to glow and crack as they heat up. The Wookiee prisoner roars in outrage as he shoulder checks his Trandoshan captor, but the vile reptilian lashes at him with a whip. Now, our tank driver, or our tank commander, that's uh, uh, Commander Venomore, who is, uh, sorry, did I go too far? No, I did go so. too far. Um, now, that is Commander, uh, sorry, the tank driver, not the mm -hmm. commander. The tank driver is Jonathan Lippow. That's our uh, our uh, uh, announcer guy from the race mm -hmm. episode. He voices every Trandoshan in the episode except Commander Venomore. Venomore nice. is that's JP Carliac who has over 80 uh, acting credits, all of them voiceover, by the way. Um, it is his second time at a Star Wars project, having voiced the boatman droid in Star Wars Visions, as well as a, a nondescript alien guard. Nice. He's probably better known to a wider audience as the voice of the boss baby in uh, <laughs> the boss baby back in business and all of its subsequent spinoffs. Hmm. So, yeah, the boss baby is Commander uh, Venomore. He's got a, a very strange nose compared to all the other Trandoshans, too. Probably just to set yes. him off. Set him oh, yeah, yeah. This guy doesn't look like the uh, the other guys. Oh, and Red Tips makes an appearance this week, too. Did you notice that? Mm. <laughs> I did. You only have so many Trandoshans, you got to use them all. Yep. All right, well, the carved stones. I spent a lot of time on the carved stones because I felt that this was important to the overall... It was such a throwaway line, more of those carved stones, and you don't hear about it again. No. There's no mention of them ever again. Now, the carved stones, most, if not all of them, appear to be ornately carved Wookiees. Yeah. So the question is, what are they? Uh, I have a short list here. Uh, statues of Wookiee ancestors, maybe some religious totems that are evocative of the tree spirits. Burial markers. Mm -hmm. But then, Andy, you put me onto this. We do get some similar iconography uh, on the Wookiee battle shields from Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Um, and thanks to the 2005 Star Wars Unleashed Chewbacca figure from Hasbro, we can get a much clearer uh, look at that iconography. And from that, I am pretty much convinced that the stones uh, are probably some form of ancestor worship. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It makes sense. Kind of like they, this year. Well, especially the with, with their... Are, right? Yeah, with yeah. the reverence for trees, uh, and we we look say look at the Haida and the east the eastern uh, North America, especially west, uh, Vancouver, Canada, and stuff. West Coast, or sorry, West Coast. Yeah, yeah. West Coast. Yeah. I, I said east, but that's um, where you are. <laughs> that's where I am. I'm in the east, so it makes sense that so the reverences for the trees that they would carve stone, and they they feel very much like totems to me. Yeah, but yeah, Easter Island heads, like you know. We're just leaning into that that idea of ancient cultures that that uh, uh, you know worship themselves or the dead and and yeah it's, well, I mean, it's really organic and cool I, I really I like almost it. I almost did a whole section I was going to talk about sort of the um, the the emphasis on Wookiee families not only on on family like blood relative but also on the life uh, the life debt family. Mm -hmm. um, we see it throughout the episode the 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 cultural significance of the pressing of the forehead is something that is uh it's quite reserved it's it it's not it's not done lightly it's not just a no it's not just a, a like not a like handshake it it's right. super culturally significant so when you see it adds whole new context when you see chewbacca do it to han solo and then do and does it to leia yeah that's like you're my family 
Yeah. And uh, yeah. Ancestor worship. And, and you gotta, you gotta, you know, that's a great point too, because you gotta think, does Omega have a, have a, a life debt a connection with Gunji now? Well, that's the, that uh, I'm going to talk about that again too, because cool. that again, <laughs> it might be the most, it the might whole, be my, all the, my favorite thing of the whole season so far. <laughs> I, and I really think, and I'm going to double down on this when we get there, but I really yeah. think that we're, we're leaning into Omega being force sensitive. I really that do. It does seem to be a prevailing kind of uh, fan theory anyway. I mean, right. I, if we go I'm back not, to the very beginning of the episode, she senses something wrong in the ship. I don't necessarily. And then here's Gunji. Yeah. Cause she's like, I don't like this place. Yeah. Yeah. So she's picking yeah, yeah. up the vibes. I don't like it. Yeah. Mind you. I've been in some creeptacular places that make me no, go. It's true. Ah, just time to go. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> so it's true. Okay. Um, where was that here? The oh, stones. Oh, the stone. Yeah, the fact that okay, uh, so. the captive Wookie he like gets yeah. really pissed. Oh, absolutely. They're yeah, it's they not are... like they're just you know. No, they're yeah. destroying. And that the transition, the, the Trandoshans yeah. know to destroy them to 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 harm the Wookies. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, emotionally, spiritually. Right. Right. Well, from their cover position in the woods, Omega notices that Gunji has gone and done something rash. Alerting <laughs> Hunter, she points at the clearing where an angry Gunji is charging at the Trandoshans. Hunter sighs as he lets out an oh no, and then races after him. Meanwhile, Gunji stops short of the tank and issues a fierce roar. Spotting the young Wookiee, one of the dismounted Trandoshans remarks, this one must have a death wish. But Gunji's answer comes as a, as a surprise because he ignites his lightsaber and readies himself for battle. Already forgot that advice. Yeah, just keep that thing put away. Except, except when you run into these guys, then you just go all oh, nuts. The Trandoshan hisses at him and fires his rifle, but Gunji deflects the blast with ease and rushes forward to help the Wookiee prisoner. At the same time, blaster fire from the clones strikes the tank as they all charge forward. By the way, no stun settings in this episode. No. Every no. shot is lethal no. in this episode. It's it's been a couple episodes since we've seen them stunning people. Even the the clones in the previous episode, they were live live fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whip wielding Trandoshan, having switched back to his rifle, faces off with Gunji. But the Jedi cuts his rifle in half before leaping into the air with a powerful drop kick. Gunji then uses his lightsaber to cut the Wookiee prisoner's bonds. Facing his rescuer, the big Wookiee nods at Gunji and then runs off into the forest. Having made their way forward, the Bad Batch quickly dispatch several dismounted Trandoshans. Then Hunter and Gunji leap onto a tank. Gunji plunges his lightsaber into the hull, striking at least one of the repulsor lifts, causing the tank to nose into the dirt and slide to a stop. Hunter, meanwhile, has scaled the turret, and when the crew commander opens the hatch to look around, Hunter punches him square in the jaw, knocking him out. Pulling the reptilian out of the tank, Hunter suddenly comes under fire again, but from his elevated position on top of the tank, he easily drops three more of the lizard men. It was almost a uh, Independence Day moment there, isn't it? Almost. Will, <laughs> or, uh, Will Smith giving yeah. a shot to the alien. <laughs> no easy feat to knock out a Trandoshan no. by hand. <laughs> the te uh, then Tech and the rest of the batch make their final push and defeat the remainder of the Trandoshans, and the battle is seemingly won. In the wake of the battle, Gunji is saddened by the sight of the burning village, but Omega is there and she does try to comfort him. But the village is still burning and Hunter knows they have to stop the fire from spreading. 
So grabbing a couple shovels off the hull of the tank, he tosses one to Wrecker, and they get to work digging a firebreak. Well, there's a ton of great visuals during this battle sequence, but I want to talk about this one in particular, because as we were alluding to, does anybody else feel like they're laying the groundwork for a Han and uh, Han and Chewie vibe here with these two? It could work. Well, I feel like they're building her a team. And I think it even started last season. I feel like they're building her a team beyond the boys. Yeah. We've got, she's got this bond with Harrison Dula oh, from last season. That's right. Um, you know, she's got a, a, a few other, you know, characters that she's bumped into and learned things with, I feel, you know, Imagine her, Harrison Nula, and Gunji running around just right there. I mean, <laughs> right there. That's a. a we know solid that the core. long the long term plans for for Hera don't necessarily. Absolutely. I think any anything you do with with Omega and and Hera are are confined. It has to be this to Goonies the, level stuff. Yeah, yeah this young it's got to be yeah. childhood. This this illusion. I will say this. I will not be surprised if they show up in future Star Wars projects as adults. Well, heck as yeah. a pair, yeah. as a pair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if they do, I am so down for it because I think that I think the relationship that was built in this episode, I hope again, this is me transferring what I want, but I certainly hope that it's more than just a, Oh, I made a new friend. Yeah. Well, if, if you look at them, they are like the perfect balance to black Chrysanthemum and was it Dr. Afra? Oh, right, 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 right. That's an interesting thought too. Mm. all right well um they pray at the Rorschach tree together coupled with the fact that omega <laughs> right from the start it was omega that actually worked to build the trust bond with gunji and not anybody else all right so yeah by morning uh gunji and the clones have finally extinguished all of the flames now the firebreak has stopped the spread of the flames and now everyone stops to take a rest Still sad, Gunji sits on the skirt of the tank while Omega quietly sits beside him. While the rest of the clones gather around them, and then a strange croaking sound rumbles from the trees. Back on high alert, the clones draw their weapons as Echo posits, More Trandoshans? But Hunter replies with a grim, No, something bigger. Then, from out of the trees, leap three enormous cat-like creatures bearing Wookiee riders. It's the same Wookiee that Gunji set free the night before, and he's brought friends. All right, that was a pretty cool scene. Mm-hmm. This creature, this is called the My, the Malaya, the Malaya, Malala, Malaya, Malaya. I can't. Malaya. I get tongue-tied every time I say it because I don't even think I wrote it down twice the, the same way. Malaya, the Malaya, a large cat-like creature that move kind of like monkeys, a little bit. They're based on an original design by Dave Filoni, and they are making their canon debut here in this episode. Uh, This is yet another holdover from that untold uh, Clone Wars story arc, and I'm going to do, I'm going to let Dave Filoni himself actually explain what these creatures were originally intended to be. So have a listen to this. George had this idea that the Wookiees knew these giant tree spirits. And uh, so I sketched this for him, and then you see the little yellow posted on there is because he didn't like the first head I drew for it. So I really, yeah. <laughs> so I, that's a scan of your binder. Right yeah. There. So I put a post-it on it and redrew it. And then he liked that one. 
much better. But the Wookiees could uh, kind of summon these uh, giant tree gods and ride them, but it was a very kind of religious thing for them. They didn't like to do it. They didn't like to take them necessarily into battle. It was a kind of a benevolent way of looking at their uh, existence with nature, really. So, of course, that, that, that is the... Uh, that is from the uh, Celebration Anaheim uh, panel. Um, in this episode, I think I don't think that's exactly what we're looking at here. I think for the purposes of this episode, they've just sort of been relegated to mount status. Um, but that original concept was they had to when they went to pray to the trees, they go to pray to the trees to, uh, when they're fighting the confederacy, confederacy to tell them that they actually have to burn some of the trees and they're basically asking for permission to do it and it's the trees that send these nature spirits out but i i don't i i don't think that's exactly what we're getting in this episode i do just think it's kind of a you know the wookie horses mm. <laughs> monkey wookie horses maybe mm. maybe it's more maybe it's not maybe if, if what he said like they don't like taking them into battle no but we know they're being pushed back and they're getting to their back. Well, that's corner, true. Right? That is absolutely. So they're true. getting to a point where, okay, all hands on deck. We need you. That's true. We didn't see them in uh, revenge of the Sith. And nope. we saw a lot of Wookiees in battle. Yeah. So that, uh, you know what? That holds weight for me. Cause there, right. they did have backup from the Republic. Oh, uh, they really did. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Later that day, the Wookiees along with the clones arrive at another village dismounting from the Malayas. They approach a building at ground level. A female elder Wookiee and two escorts step out on, uh, out from the building, and the Wookiee prisoner approaches her, and they press foreheads uh, in the traditional Wookiee greeting. <coughs> Pardon me. With tech translating, the elder um, with tech translating, the elder addresses the Bad Batch. She introduces herself as Yana, and that she is the leader of this village. Now, Yana is a new character that's appearing here for the first time, who's also voiced by Shelby Young. That's the voice of our Axis droids and Captain Bragg. Hunter gestures at Gunji as he tells her that they're trying to return him to his people, but Gunji doesn't know where he comes from. While kneeling in front of Gunji, Yana lowers her head, and after a moment, Gunji presses his forehead against hers. Looking up at Hunter, Yana asserts that they are soldiers of the Republic, but Hunter corrects her with, we were soldiers of the Republic. Then taking off his helmet, he adds, let's just say we don't see eye to eye with the Empire. He tells Yana that they came because Gunji was in trouble, and even though he may be a Jedi, he's still a child that needs his people. All right, so our Wookiee village. Um, this is always, I love when we do stuff like this. Uh, this is a callback, uh, not only to, um, the Ralph McQuarrie's original concept art, but also the star Wars holiday special <laughs> because it's the star Wars holiday special where we actually see what a Wookiee treehouse looks like for the first right. time. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I know these two, they look the same, but there are differences. Yeah. There are some subtle differences between these two paintings. But there you go. Another uh, holiday special uh, callback call for you. Awesome. I'm sure George Star Wars. <laughs> George and, and Harrison Ford are both cringing. Oh, God. <laughs> again. B. Arthur is rolling in her grave. <laughs> All right. Um, 
what did I do here? Okay, back at uh, okay, back at uh, the scene of the battle. Commander Venomore arrives with another pair of tanks and a contingent of Imperial troops. Flipping up the hatch on his tank, he sniffs at the air before dismounting. Two Imperial clones are inspecting the hulk of the disabled tank. When Venomore asks them, "What do we have here?" They inform him there are lightsaber marks on the hull. One of the clones concludes that the marks were made by a surviving Jedi and they need to inform Imperial Command. But Venomore hisses, not if I find the Jedi first. Stepping up on the skirt of one of his operational tanks, Venomore addresses his Trandoshan troops. Raise the jungle to its roots, a hundred Wookiee pelts to whoever finds the Jedi. With that, his troops wave their weapons in the air as they clamor and shear. Well, later that night, the crew enjoy the hospitality of the Wookiee village. Echo and Wrecker sit uh, at a long table with one of the warriors who offers them a cup of some strange green liquid from a wooden bowl. Echo politely declines, while Wrecker tells him he doesn't know what he's missing, and then proceeds to pick up the entire bowl and chug back the liquid inside. Omega and Hunter join them at the table, and Omega says that Yana has agreed to let Gunji stay with them. Echo asks, what about the Trandoshans? And Hunter tells him that the Empire has been using them to strip the planet of its resources, which has forced many Wookiee villagers to flee deeper into the forests. Now, this isn't the first time we've seen this in modern Star Wars. We saw uh, the giant strip mines of Kanari back in Andor, and we saw it on Maputo as well in uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. So the Empire's war machine is in full effect. Mm-hmm. But there's a darker implication here too. Are the Wookiees just another resource? The Wookiees themselves. Yeah. On some level they are. So they're harvesting that particular resource to ship them off to Kessel. Yeah. I mean, later. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, just then tech and Yana interrupt them. Tech tells them that scouts have reported a large convoy headed in their direction. And Yana says that they should leave. Looking up at Hunter, Echo reminds him that the Wookiees were their allies for years and that they have to do something. And Gunji roars his approval. With his helmet under his arm, Hunter looks to Yana and tells her that they'll stay and help them fight. Yana mutters something in Shriwook, and Hunter tells her they don't have to do this alone. Yana then says something else, and the Wookiee warriors rise from the table and they follow her outside. Uh, Gunji looks to Hunter. And then he follows them as well. There's a cool little detail here. And unfortunately, there's an, I just don't have the resolution to even go even close enough to it. But Tech is getting a real-time translation of Shriwook into Galactic Basic on his visor. And I think yeah. that's super cool. Yeah. The Wookiees approach the roots of a giant Roshir tree and then placing their hands on it, they all kneel down and touch their foreheads in deep meditation. Gunji watches for a moment before joining in. Standing on the veranda of the Wookiee treehouse, the Batch watch as the Wookiees meditate. Omega looks up at Hunter and asks, what are they doing? Hunter tells her they're asking the trees for help. Completely mystified by this answer, Omega gasps. They're talking to the trees? Tech tells her the Wookiees believe that the planet belongs to the trees and they are allies in the fight. Pragmatically, Hunter says, we'll take all the allies we can get. 
from the veranda of the treehouse, Echo scans. Uh, um, oh my lord! Scans the forest. Oh my gosh! Autocorrect just killed me on that one. <laughs> from <laughs> the veranda, yeah, the first the scans first the first. From the veranda of the treehouse, Echo scans the forest with his macro binoculars, spotting flames in the distance. He alerts Hunter and the rest of the clones. At the same time, the Wookiees conclude their communion with the Roshier tree, and Gunji trots over to Hunter and tells him that the trees have a plan. Taken back by the news, Hunter puts his helmet on and says, all right, whatever they say. Deep in the forest, clone troops escort a column of uh, three tanks. Oh, we're getting a, oh, that's an interesting, we're getting an interesting question here from Facebook. I'm going to put this up here so we can all take a look at this. Facebook user says, did the wooden hilt on the lightsaber allow the Wookiee to be closer to the force? Well, I guess, I guess that all comes down to your position on Minichlorians. <laughs> I'm not going to say that it, that it doesn't make a difference, um, but I don't think that it makes that much of a difference it might if it's a specific tree maybe but it, i can't recall the name but it is a specific tree because the the it's made out of the a wood one. is oh wait wrong franchise the, the the wood is so uh strong that it can actually repel a lightsaber blast so if you were to you know another lightsaber were to hit the hilt of that that wooden hilt it would take it um, uh, sure i don't think that that deepens a, no. a wielder's connection to the force i no. don't i don't think the construction it's the crystal it's the crystal absolutely that, it is that uh, i mean that you look at um I, I can't really use the i can't use corn horn in this example anymore because he's not canon anymore but you're talking about a guy a jedi who built his first lightsaber out of the handle of a speeder bike and it's just as much a lightsaber as any other it doesn't right. it doesn't increase nor decrease the user's connection to the force. I think that is, you know, I hate to say it, but that the midichlorian count really is kind of the big, you want an empirical answer. That's the closest yeah. you can get. Really, I would say for that particular Jedi, his um, connection to his home world. Yeah. Uh, would certainly, you know, um, he would have a closer connection to that blade, particularly, you know, if, more so than any other Jedi were to pick that blade up and wield it. I would say right, that's right. probably not even force based, but a, a Wookiee based spiritual connection to yeah. the wood in the, in the hilt. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Well, deep in the forest clone troops escort a column of three tanks or at least three that we can see. Cause it seems like they just keep coming for a while there. I, I kind of lost mm -hmm. count after a while. They're running like uh It'll come to you. It will eventually. All right. Single file. Yeah. Yeah. Single Wait. file. That's right. That's right. To hide the numbers. <laughs> the lead trooper radios up to commander Venomore that the tracks that they were following have broken off and there's no trace of them from his open hatch. Venomore responds. They can't run far, but neither Venomore nor any of his troops notice a thermal detonator rolling in under the lead tank. The detonator explodes, sending the dismounted troops around it sprawling while the tank itself veers sharply to the right as it ditches into the ground. The clone scout calls out ambush and then all hell breaks loose as a hail of gunfire erupts from the trees. The bad batch and a pair of Wookiee warriors lay down heavy fire on the front of the advancing column. Venomore orders his troops to crush them and take what's left as trophies. 
High above the ground, a trio of Wookiee warriors mounted on their Malayas watch as the column pushes forward. Dropping right into the middle of the advancing troops, the Wookiees catch them off guard and the Trandoshans begin to scatter. Leveling their bowcasters, the Wookiees easily pick off some of the runners, but the disorientation is short-lived and the Trandoshans begin to rally and return fire. One of the mounted Wookiees is hit and he slumps from the back of his Malaya. With their firing position compromised, Hunter tells the crew to stick to the plan and draw the advancing troops into the nest. Then he and all the Wookiees make a hasty retreat further into the forest. As they go, we can see thick Kinrath webbing overhead. With the Trandoshan and Imperial forces giving chase, the crew, minus Wrecker and one of their Wookiee allies, take a stand and begin firing again which is enough to keep the column's attention focused on them, because high above the column, Wrecker, along with one of the Wookiee warriors, creep out on a thick branch, waiting for the right moment. And it doesn't take long before the two leap down onto the turret of the last tank in the column. Wrecker plucks the gunner from the turret and tosses him down onto one of the escort troops below. Then everyone turns their attention upwards to the forest canopy, as a beastly roar fills the air and a mounted Wookiee lands on the lead tank. His Malaya bats the gunner off his exposed turret platform, then roars down at the lizard men on the ground before leaping away. The Trandoshans aren't phased and they fire their weapons. One of them strikes the Wookiee rider, and although his Malaya is unharmed, he falls from the saddle. While seeing the warrior fall, Gunji roars and then pulls out his lightsaber. Charging forward toward the lead tank, he drop kicks one of the Trandoshans as he leaps down from the woodline. With his Jedi training, uh, in concert with his brute strength, Gunji makes a standing jump over the barrel of the lead tank and cuts it clean off as he lands on the hull. Jumping up on top of the turret, Gunji then deflects more blaster fire from the ground. Spotting the young Jedi from his open hatch, Commander Venomore retrieves a handheld flamethrower and exits the tank. But Gunji has now leapt onto Venomore's tank, where yet another dismounted Trandoshan awaits. Venomore looses a gout of fire from his weapon, but Gunji deftly ducks out of the way, which is more than can be said for the Trandoshan soldier that tried to follow him and instead moved right into the burst of the flamethrower. Roasted Trandoshan. Yeah. Now, do we know if that last rider that got picked off, was that the same guy he's saved the night before i had a hard time keeping track of of the individual wookies i don't necessarily know i think it might be like more of a trigger point for him like oh possibly just saved yeah, yeah, him yeah, and yeah, now possibly. Him away. that could be i thought that at the end of the episode that was the wookie that wrecker was drinking with but oh, again maybe. the models are very that similar. he survived it maybe yeah i got the impression that everybody that got hit and fell well, no, I mean the like, Wookiee that he was drinking with is the the initial Wookiee that. Oh, oh, yeah, you don't know what you're missing. Right, gotcha, right. Gotcha. All right. Well, um, where are we at here? Thirty. Oh, moving on. Okay. Uh, not before pausing to look back at Venomore. Almost. Oh no! Like, sorry. Gunji stares up at Venomore. There is a distinct resolve in his eyes. Then Venomore unleashes another blast of fire. But Gunji is too fast, and he jumps down to the ground, and he runs into the woods. 
but not before pausing to look back at Venomore, almost as if he's uh, uh, taunting him, come get me. And mm-hmm. Venomore obliges by giving chase. Seeing her new friend rush off into the woods alone, Omega dashes off to follow him. Meanwhile, Wrecker and his new Wookiee friend pause for a brief victory dance on top of the tank, but it's short-lived as another tank lumbers into view with more support troops. The dismounts begin firing at them, and then they quickly hop off the tank and fall back with everyone else. As they run deeper into the forest, a trio of Wookiee warriors use the butt ends of their bowcasters to beat rhythmically, rhythmically on some of the tree trunks. Then the air is filled with the growing sound of chittering. Trandoshan dismounts, aim their weapons up, then begin firing as they are suddenly overrun by several Kinrath. The Trandoshans and the Imperial troops manage to drop a few of the charging arachnids, but it seems like for every one they kill, two more file in. And the Kinrath move with such incredible speed that the few remaining Trandoshans can't even tactically withdraw, and when there's only a single lizard man left, he sprints for his life. As the Bad Batch, less Omega, watch the entire thing unfold, Wrecker blurts out, Guess the trees knew what they were doing. (laughs) And it's then that Hunter realizes that Omega and Gunji aren't with them. Staying just out of sight, Omega watches as Venomore chases Gunji deeper into the forest. The Trandoshan stalks his prey with his flamethrower at the ready. And when he sees a flash of movement through the trees, he blasts away, igniting the foliage in front of him. Gunji stays just out of range of the fire and circles around the reptilian hunter. And Venomore, so focused on his quarry, inadvertently creates a ring of fire of which he happens to be standing at the center. Gunji, meanwhile, has leapt into a nearby tree and perched on a branch. He reignites his lightsaber and leaps down at Venomore. The Trandoshan hunter is wiry and rolls out of the way. And then he's right on his feet again, belching more fire at Gunji, who's fast enough to stay just in front of the blast. Keeping his momentum going, Gunji runs up a tree trunk and vaults backward over Venomore and swings wildly at him. Venomore dodges the killing blow, but killing the Trandoshan was never Gunji's intention because as Commander Venomore regains his balance, it left him open enough for Gunji to slash his weapon with his lightsaber, rendering it useless. Venomore lands uh, a big boot in Gunji's chest, and Gunji slides back several feet without falling over. The commander tries to fire his weapon, but realizes it's now in two pieces, so he tosses it aside and he readies himself to battle the Wookiee as his people have done for centuries with his bare hands. Unfortunately for Venomore, three Kinrath descend down silky web lines with other plans for him. One of them lunges at Gunji, but Gunji leaps back and deactivates his lightsaber. So the Kinrath... Oh, oh, we got a comment from Eric. First one from Eric. Eric on Facebook says, A fleeing Trandoshan loses his Jagannath points. The scorekeeper frowns on cowardice. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Gunji deactivates his lightsaber, so the Kinrath leaves him alone. And then together, the three Kinrath peck at Venomore, finally cocooning him in a massive webbing before dragging him up into the trees to whatever grim fate awaits him. 
all invited him for dinner <laughs> all the while venomore screams in absolute terror gunji who has leapt back into a rorschach tree outside of the fiery ring crouches down on a branch and watches as nature takes its course as venomore scream as venomore's screams trail off omega calls out gunji and the wookie jumps down from the tree and the two of them head off to find the rest of the crew who are now presently trying to find them hunter kneels down to check some tracks in the dirt and suddenly they're alerted to some rustling in the bushes turns out omega and gunji have found them but omega tells hunter that the fire from venomore's flamethrower is spreading fast so hunter radios tech to gather all the wookies and uh, working throughout the night they manage to extinguish the flames Back at the treehouse, Wrecker and Echo share some of the green liquid with a couple of the Wookiee warriors. Echo cheerily exclaims, that's not bad, while Wrecker <laughs> says something in Shrewook before he and his new Wookiee pal down an entire bowl each. Then Yana and Tech step out onto the veranda where Hunter watches Gunji and Omega kneeling at the base of the great Roshir tree. Both of them, eyes closed with a hand on the tree in communion. Hunter remarks, they're both just kids, but they don't get to be not in this galaxy. Yana gestures at the tree and then begins to speak. Tech, pulling his helmet visor down, translates for them in real time. When a young one leaves, the trees weep. But when they return, the trees sing. As this child has found his new home, perhaps one day we will all find a new path. Looking down at the kids, Hunter sighs as he answers, hopefully, one far away from war. And as the camera pulls back uh, on the treehouse, we fade to black. There you go. That's our episode. Definitely my and, uh, favorite episode this season. It's, it is very, yeah, uh, there's no question about it. it mine as well. Um, I just have to end on that because I, I am doubling down on that. I think that yeah, the, the, it's a good bet. I don't want to, I don't want to use the Han and Chewie analogy, but there is no other analogy to use. Um, mm. What a great pairing these two, I think would make. Mm -hmm. um, and I do hope that we see them in future projects as adults. Uh, oh, uh, that's very kind of you. Uh, Dr. Mod studio. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. You didn't have to. I remain quiet as yeah. I didn't want to disturb you guys going over the episode. You know what? The part of the, the choice uh, to do these episodes as a live stream was specifically so that we could have that fan interaction with you guys. We know that um, that long form storytelling is not for everybody. Um, but when we did these as uh, pre-recorded uh, shows, there's a lot more, I mean, Andy, I think we were what two to one editing for recording. Yeah. So, roughly. I mean, uh, we we've been going for an hour and a half, so that's three hours worth of editing. We know we will never be first. We will never be first to report on what's going on in these episodes, but we'll always be thorough. So by doing them as a live stream, it gives us the ability to, to do this stuff in real time and hopefully interact we, with you yeah. guys. We, we, we love, love interacting with you guys. Yeah. We the love the comments. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Cause you guys always steer us in directions we wouldn't think of and yeah uh, i mean there's um, so many you know uh, uh sort of opinions and and angles to 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 explore these things and especially uh D dr mad like when when you uh flash 
stuff like the Yuzon Vong. We we know that right. you know what you're talking about, and yeah. we love that. Yeah. Um, it's always good to to share opinions uh, in the community um, when the the Star Wars fan community is by far one of the most polarizing fandoms out there. So I mean, we always say like our show is is predicated on the fan first approach. So even though we might be critical of something, we still love Star Wars. And, oh, uh, and and after talking it out with somebody, you know, you might get a new spin on it. You may see something may, that yeah. changes your perspective, <laughs> just like last sure. episode. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you if you intend uh, or if you do find yourself joining us on future shows, please do uh, um, do comment and do interact with us. I really enjoyed uh, Tribe, by the way. The Solitary Clone is still my favorite of season two. Oh, it's, that, that, that was a strong episode. We all yeah, like that. Agree. Cody. <laughs> and feel free to check us out we're we're, we're going to be coming up with some uh some more free form stuff where um where you're really encouraged to interact with us tuesday night random fandom we uh random we were fandom. very, so check we, us were out very then, uh, we were very lucky to have you hank uh back in december come and visit us uh here in ontario um, which was cool to have all three of us in the same building oh, at the same fun. time. That was, that was the best time ever. We did, yeah. uh, we did a live stream just after Christmas and, um, it, it was kind of unanimous. Everybody in the stream said, please do more of, Oh, thank you very much for the subscription. Really appreciate Thanks, that. Brother. You have no, well, maybe you do know that every subscription house helps. So thank you so much. There was a, a lot of discussion about you guys should do more casual hangouts. And so I thought, yeah, let's do that. And Andy, you're the one that's let's do another weekly live stream. Yeah, it doesn't have to be like a super long format. Like it can just be whatever happens in pop culture this week. There's a, we always have this before we go live on the show. We always talk about the entertainment news of the week. Did you see this trailer? Mm -hmm. Did you see that thing? Why aren't we doing that on camera? And so that's this true. is a yeah. this is a way for you guys, <laughs> as you say, uh, Hank had said we're we're going to launch a new show. It's going to be called Random Fandom. Um, it'll be Tuesday nights. I don't know when we're going to start, but it's going to be something very relaxed, not scripted like what we do here, where we just talk about the entertainment news that we saw throughout the week. And that is, I'll show you guys fans. the figures I show yeah. them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's your opportunity to get in on the conversation and talk about the entertainment news. That's important to you because we do, we want those comments. And, uh, I would like to, at some point, um, I would like to have some guests. I would like you guys, our fans to join us here on the show on camera, if you are willing. So, Oh, another comment from Eric over on Facebook, who says, honestly, I'm glad the few years of playing the old Republic MMO has paid off. A lot of my star Wars knowledge from that game has translated well into watching all these new shows. Great breakdown lads. Oh, cheers, so true. Cheers, cheers. So true. Uh, in case you're wondering, we're glad I wonder about the living. Oh, uh, Merseyside, not far from Liverpool, where the Beatles yeah. came from. Yeah, and they're 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 in one of the biggest fandoms ever, the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Right so, on. There's a mania right named on. after them. That's true. Um, so we are in Ontario, Canada. Uh, or sorry, two of us, Andy and myself, are uh, in uh, Ontario, Canada. Hank is in uh, Halifax, Halifax, Nova no. Scotia. We go live on Sunday nights at 6 p.m. Eastern. So I'm not sure what the breakdown, uh, what the difference is for you. Um, but you will always catch us on those nights for our Star Wars reviews. Again, Random Fandom is coming uh, later. 
later on this year. It's probably going to be fairly soon once we can pin down uh, a free, a free probably Tuesday nights. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. um, we are so up to our elbows in Star Wars content, though. As a, next week is our double drop. Uh, so this wow. uh, this Wednesday coming, episode seven, the Clone Conspiracy, and episode eight, Truth and Consequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, come out on Wednesday. I'm going to just close this down now. Both so, ominous titles. Like, you know, all the other titles uh, have been yeah. sort of vague. Uh, but I, I mean, think, they, they uh, mean something within the episode, but those both have like some heavy con- connotations. <laughs> Eric, late night with fandom power, LOL. Oh, right. and uh, mm-hmm. Tuesdays are good because Vox Machina is almost done. Oh, that reminds me. I've got to get caught up. To get caught up. Yeah, I've got to get caught up too. I've, so I've watched the first, uh, four, watched the first four. I'm really, really enjoying it by the way. It's very good. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and I know Eric, you, I know, I know Eric, you are going to want to talk about that and I please hold on to it because I want to talk about it too. Yeah. So it's one of our most popular shows that we did before. So it, it totally was, yeah. um, yeah, so that's that's kind of what's going on. Again, I just want to, uh, props to, uh, Andy for, uh, really banging out a ton by ton i mean a ton of new designs over at the uh, fandom power merch shop uh link of course is in the description hank is currently wearing the uh t-shirt for this series the uh, cool why be you when you could be me (laughs) (laughs) unless you could be betty white with a lightsaber unless you could be betty white with a lightsaber it's almost 1 a.m here but i'm a night owl sometimes okay fair enough that well that even makes us even uh, more uh proud to host you absolutely thanks that for being said you, can, by, you can always catch us in the replay and uh i try to respond to uh as many comments as i can when i see them yeah. sometimes now I that you've subbed feel free to go back and check out all the, the short form yeah. content wes yeah. has been pumping out the weapons of star wars like nobody's <laughs> business and uh i think you'll really dig those uh right. so yeah doc check us out man uh you guys got anything you want to close on before we uh wrap it up for the night i think we're gonna get close to uh Mount Tantus, is it? Mount Tantus. Tantus, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to have some, a little, little Nalase. Nalase, Nalase, Back to the larger narrative at hand, uh, the cliffhanger of the last season. What happened to her? And oh. I think we're going to get a whole lot of those AWOL clones they were talking about in... Well, with a title like clone. The Clone Conspiracy, um what's Cody been doing uh, in the last couple uh, yeah. episodes in that time frame? Has he been well, running around? Right. Uh, exactly. Running around. Yeah. Popping chips out. Has, Has he, he found Rex yet? Right. Has he reconnected with Rex and, yeah. uh, and uh, Dr. Dr. Studio. Huge. Cheers. Sorry, Hank. Uh, cheers. Oh. Stay safe and take care. We will yes, you, uh, you as well. Thank you for joining us. Hope to see you again uh, very soon. So yeah. Uh, clone conspiracy. Yeah, it's just we've only seen Rampart do this like twice, you know. Oh <laughs> like, my gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So As there's he's all kinds his, of his uh, cargo <laughs> manifest. Yeah, cargo manifest twice in a row. So I mean, there's tons of tons of the main story that we haven't even dipped into. So we're true. heading into what, half the season, I guess. Set where what seven and eight we're uh, heading to, right? Yeah, we're at the halfway yeah. mark next. So year. We're at the halfway mark, and you know, like <sighs> I've said, there's been a bit of filler. So let's let's jump feet Double first drop. into that. Uh, double drop main, next week. main episode yeah and then uh a double drop for the finale 
And don't forget our crossover, which is a triple drop for us. Mandalorian yep. comes back. Mandalorian With come back for season Mandalorian. three. Do we have uh, releases for all those episodes? I believe they just got. Uh, they just uh, get just, published. Yeah, okay. and some. Uh, Tell me they're not doing titles. I believe two, two. And, two and one. I don't believe. I hope so. they're not doing two and one because it'll be overwhelming. We'll never get it done. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty-four hours of fandom power. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, that's right, Eric. Now that's twice you've said that. Are you trying to? Are you hinting at something that Mando is back on your birthday? <laughs> back on your birthday. Birthday. Right, well, that is it uh, for me, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I have. Um, really looking forward to getting back to uh, next week. Stay tuned to our social media where we will provide all the updates on how the double drop is going to work. Uh, there's a good chance that we're going to go uh, two nights in a row, Sunday, Monday, although the, um, we'll have to have a bit of a conflab here when we wrap up to make that final decision. But we will post all of the relevant uh, information um, this week. Awesome. Oh, do you want a terribly dark theory? You got one for me? I got mm -hmm. one right now. Sure, sure. Uh, so Rampart sure. twice was looking at those uh, shipping manifests. Oh, sure. But we Ooh. don't know what they were shipping. What if they were shipping Wookiees? Oh, you know what? <laughs> That's entirely possible, yeah. too. Yeah. What if it turns out that the Lego Freemaker thing is uh, is suddenly canon? Maybe. <sighs> okay. My head's going to explode if we keep doing this. All right, guys, um, we will be back next week. So please come and join us again. Uh, uh, keep your eyes glued to the channel, trying to put out at least one short video each week. Um, uh, trying to get those up on Patreon uh, at least uh, two days in advance. Eric, you you can attest to that. I've been sort of letting you know when they drop as you are our one and only patron. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. We love you. And uh, that's it. Until next week, guys, uh, for Phantom Power, my name is Wes. I'm Andy. And I'm Hank. We will see you on the next one, guys. So bye for now. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms.